welcome to the Sunday edition of Tailgating from the Couch. I am your host, Garrett Wilson, and what a weekend of college football that we just witnessed. Some major upsets across college football, as well as a big controversy brewing in the Big Ten. We'll talk about all of that, plus another installment of Garrett's Gripes right now. Back now and starting with the ACC, the biggest game of the week, number two, Notre Dame at number 19, North Carolina. And the Irish stay undefeated, moved to 9-0 for a 31-17 win over the Tar Heels. Ian Book, another good game for him, 279 yards and a score. But the story of this game was the defense. And honestly, it was the defense for both sides. North Carolina's defense played much better than anticipated. Let's talk about that Irish defense. Game was tied 17-17 at halftime. And the Notre Dame Fighting Irish pitched a shutout in the second half to move to 9-0. A huge defensive effort to slow down a potent passing attack with Sam Howell. 211 yards and one score well below his season averages. So the Notre Dame defense really stepping up and winning this one for the Irish. But Ian Book, still an incredible game for him. He made a lot of big plays, some off-script plays we've seen him make this year. And with all the talk about Kyle Trask in the SEC, who we'll get to, and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, I don't think Ian Book is getting the Heisman credit that he should be getting for leading this Notre Dame team to 9-0. Yes, they have a lot of pieces. Kyron Williams, a terrific running back. They have a defense who's making plays. He has some good wideouts. He has a young freshman tight end who's a good target for him. But he's the undisputed leader of this team. And if you take him away, they're not undefeated. You watch the Clemson game, and especially you watch this North Carolina game. Ian Book made some big plays down the stretch to put those games away. So we need to talk more about Ian Book in the Heisman conversation. And we need to talk about Notre Dame as the number one team in the country. Alabama won. We'll get to that in a little bit. But... Notre Dame, I think they have the best win of any team in college football after beating Clemson. They're undefeated. Another quality win against North Carolina. Boston College is a quality team, obviously. Notre Dame still has some games left, but we need to look at Notre Dame as the current number one team in the country, and it will be interesting to see if they're able to vault Alabama in the upcoming polls. Elsewhere in the ACC, Clemson gets back on track and back to football after a couple of weeks. Trevor Lawrence returns. They take down Pittsburgh 52-17. to Lawrence, 403 yards and two touchdowns. Good to see him back. And, of course, Clemson is steamrolling toward a matchup with Notre Dame in the ACC championship game. What a rematch that could be as long as both teams can finish out the season unscathed. NC State takes down Syracuse 36-29. Boston College takes down Louisville 34-27. Georgia Tech routes Duke 56-33 in Florida State for the second consecutive week with a game postponed, this one against Virginia. But this time, Florida State was the one who had the COVID-19 concerns, so back-to-back games postponed for the Seminoles. Moving now to the SEC, and we'll start with number one, Alabama. They handled business against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. They win it 42-13. Mac Jones, 302 yards and five touchdowns. He led the way for the Crimson Tide. Devonta Smith, seven catches, 171 yards and two scores. Alabama stays undefeated. They are currently 8-0, and they, of course, are looking at a matchup in the SEC championship game against Florida. Florida. 
tougher game against Kentucky than most anticipated. They get the win, 34-10 behind Kyle Trask. 256 yards and three scores. Of course, he got his big tight end back, Kyle Pitts. He reels in five grabs for 99 yards and three scores. So that matchup in the SEC championship game awaits for Alabama and Florida. Elsewhere, A&M gets by LSU 20-7, a game that was close throughout. But Texas A&M just made more plays. LSU left looking for the plays to win that game. Georgia Takes down South Carolina 45-16. Ole Miss wins the Egg Bowl 31-24 over Mississippi State. Missouri beats Vanderbilt 41 to nothing. So that's right in those two big conferences, of course. The conference with the number one and two teams in the country. Alabama currently ranked one. Notre Dame ranked two. We'll see if there's any change this week after big wins from both. I, I don't think there will, but I think there needs to be more conversation about Notre Dame being the number one overall team in the country and Ian Book getting some more respect for the Heisman consideration. Coming up next, we'll talk about the two conferences with probably the two biggest upsets of the week and a controversy brewing in the Big Ten. Of course, we're talking Big Ten and Pac-12 football after the break. Back now, starting in the Pac-12, Stanford takes down Cal 24-23. Colorado takes down San Diego State 20-10, like we talked about Earlier in the week, the Pac-12 now being allowed to schedule some non-conference games. That's the scenario there. Washington comes back to beat Utah 24-21, and UCLA takes down Arizona 27-10. Of course, USC had their game canceled this past weekend, so they were idle. But the biggest upset in the Pac-12 is Oregon State and Oregon. The Beavers beat the Ducks 41-38, their first win against the Ducks in 13 years. They were down late, minute left. They drove the field, got all the way down to the one-yard line, and two unsuccessful quarterback sneaks prompted a quarterback change after their starting quarterback injured his leg. Backup quarterback comes in, dives into the end zone. They take the lead. So now Oregon, number 15th ranked in the country, they fall to 3-1, and one, and most people are saying this probably eliminates the Pac-12 from the playoff consideration. USC is still undefeated, and Washington's still undefeated. The problem is going to be how many games are they realistically going to get in, and Oregon is now in a position where they would be playing spoiler for the rest of the Pac-12. So if they're if, if they went out and they win the Pac-12, obviously the Pac-12 is not getting a team in. They're not going to be playing enough games. It also convolutes the Pac-12 title race as well because now Oregon has a loss. There's some undefeated teams in there. There's so little margin of error in these conferences that are only playing six or seven games that that's what we're seeing. And so Oregon State, with a huge upset on Friday night, a big win for the Beavers, a big win for that program trying to rebuild from essentially the ground up. So that is what they're going to look for. They forced some turnovers. They they did everything they needed to do to get the upset. So Oregon falls a 3-1. and one after losing to the Oregon State Beavers 41-38. to And speaking of upsets and speaking of cancellations, we now move to the Big Ten. Iowa takes down Nebraska 26-20. Indiana gets it rolling again against Maryland 27-11. Penn State notches their first win of the season 27-17 over Michigan. Rutgers takes down Purdue 37-30. And Michigan State upends 8th-ranked undefeated Northwestern 29 to 20. 
Ramsey for Northwestern, two interceptions. Rocky Lombardi, 167 yards and two touchdowns and a pick for the Spartans. This was a game where we've seen Northwestern's offensive concerns, and this is a situation where those offensive concerns came back to bite them. They weren't able to generate enough offense. Michigan State jumped out to a 17-0 lead. Northwestern came back, but it was too little too late because the momentum was firmly in the hands of the Spartans. So now moving forward, this is where we get into some big controversy because of some cancellations and postponements this weekend. Ohio State and Wisconsin both had games canceled this weekend. And the Big Ten put out a rule earlier this season. If you do not play at least six games, you are not eligible for the Big Ten Championship. Ohio State has played four games thus far. They have two games left on their schedule next week against Michigan State, but they've had a COVID outbreak within their program. So that means the game next week against Michigan State is also in jeopardy. Wisconsin, due to another cancellation, is already technically ineligible for the Big Ten Championship. So the question was raised on Friday night before Northwestern's loss. Would an undefeated Big Ten champ Northwestern get in a potentially 5-0 or 6-0 Ohio State if Ohio State is deemed ineligible for the Big Ten Championship? I think they should have been. I think I still think in order to play in the college football playoff, you should have to win your conference. Now, the Big Ten has also said they have they were going to monitor it throughout the season, and there's a a plan B basically that if the league average, so the the average team in the Big Ten plays less than six games, then in order to retain eligibility for the Big Ten championship, you'd have to have played at least two two games less than the league average, so probably four games. So in that case, Ohio State's going to be in. And I really think at the end of the day, it's going to be a moot point, and this is kind of where some of the bigger controversy comes in. There's no way the Big Ten's going to allow Ohio State to miss the Big Ten championship game. You know, the, the Big Ten's a conference with a lot of prestige and a lot of history, but Ohio State has been the face of that conference for the past decade, if not two decades. So there's no way they're going to allow the Big Ten Championship to take place and Ohio State to miss it because of a few canceled games. So I don't think that's going to matter. I do think it is very interesting, though, that we're at the position now where Ohio State's probably maybe only going to get five games in before a potential Big Ten Championship, and they're just one loss away from being bounced out and the Big Ten getting no team in the college football playoff. There is... No scenario, I think, where Indiana or a Wisconsin or a Northwestern gets into the college football playoff with one loss. Ohio State, I think, will have to go undefeated simply because they haven't played very many games. And let's be honest, their quality wins. I mean, their biggest win's Indiana, but who their biggest win, you'd say, is maybe Michigan, maybe this week against Maryland. The Big Ten is really down this year, so it will be interesting to see what the committee says about that if Ohio State does lose. How far would an Ohio State loss go in, you know, finishing off the Big Ten as far as the college football playoff? I don't think there's anyone in their right mind who can say the Big Ten is an elite conference this year. There's not very many good teams. Ohio State's probably the only really good team. I think there's some quality teams, but I don't know if they're really good. You know, you stack them against other potential conferences, and this will be another situation where we see the bias that lives within the committee already. We see it with the SEC every year, 
I think we already see it with Ohio State. You know, a few years ago, Penn State won the Big Ten Championship. They beat Ohio State, yet Ohio State somehow got picked for the college football playoff. So it'll be interesting to see if that's another situation we have this year where there may be more deserving teams go in. And I think it maybe comes down to your qualification for what what determines a playoff team. Simply, oh, it's the best team, the teams that look the best, the most deserving. I still think you should have to win your conference to get in. That's I'm unwavering on that. I've been like that since they introduced the playoff in 2014. Even beforehand with the BCS, if you are not a conference champion, you should not be able to play for a national title. This isn't basketball. You know, with basketball, you have such a big field that's going to happen. But with such a small selection pool in college football, I believe, it is my opinion, you should have to win your conference in order to play for a national championship. So this could be another season in which, you know, it's already been a crazy year because of COVID. We'll see what happens here in the next few weeks. Coming up next, we take a look at the Big 12 as that conference title race starts to narrow. And we also talk about a monster day from a group of five teams and one running back in particular. That plus Garrett's gripes coming up after the break. Big 12 football now on tailgating from the couch. Iowa State grabs a stranglehold over the conference title lead. A 23-20 win over Texas. Brock Purdy, 312 yards and one score. Brees Hall, 20 carries, 91 yards and a touchdown. Sam Ellinger, 298 yards and a score. The Cyclones now 7-2, 7-1 in Big 12 play. And they have all but locked up a spot in the conference title game. I said earlier this week that a win would clinch for them. Technically, that's not correct. There's a wild scenario that involves Kansas doing something they haven't done all year, and that's winning. You know, if Kansas was to knock off Texas and Kansas State was to knock off Texas and West Virginia was to beat Iowa State, there's still a extremely far-fetched and unlikely scenario that Iowa State would not reach the Big 12 championship game. But for all intents and purposes, Iowa State is the first team in to the Big 12 title game, which brings us to the rest of the Big 12 slate. Oklahoma and West Virginia, their game postponed. TCU takes down Texas. Baylor comes back to beat Kansas State 32-31 on a last-second field goal. And what may have been one of the more entertaining games of the college football slate, Oklahoma State gets back on track with a 50-44 win over the Texas Tech Red Raiders. They are now 6-2 on the year, 5-2 in Big 12 play. Desmond Jackson stepped in. Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown both out with injuries. Jackson steps in, 36 carries, 235 yards, and three scores. Tylen Wallace continues to show that he's the best receiver in the country. Seven catches, 129 yards, and a touchdown. A couple incredible grabs. And a big win for Oklahoma State with some players out. They have TCU and Baylor to finish the season. OU finishes the year with West Virginia and Baylor. Excuse me, Baylor then West Virginia because of the postponement. So here's what we're looking at in terms of the Big 12 now. Again, Iowa State is in. I don't think there's any way you can say that Iowa State's not going to make the Big 12 title game because of the wacky scenario that's in front of us. As for the second team, it's really coming down to OU and Oklahoma State. If both teams win out, OU gets in. There is a scenario in which Texas drops another game, Kansas State wins out, West Virginia beat there's there's one scenario that again involves a lot of other teams losing and some unlikely things happening where Oklahoma State and OU can both win out and Oklahoma State gets in. 
what Oklahoma State needs to get in and face Iowa State again is to win out. So wins over TCU and Baylor, and then Baylor or West Virginia to upset Oklahoma. I don't think that's likely to happen. I think OU is on another level. That team that lost to Iowa State and K-State to start the year, this is a much different team. Spencer Rattler's more mature. Ramondre Stevenson has revitalized that running game. And Ronnie Perkins has revitalized that defense. I think if OU and Kansas State were to play again, I I mean, OU probably wins that game by 40, given what they've added and what K-State has lost. Iowa State, that's probably a little bit of a better game. They're a little more balanced team. I still think OU doesn't have much trouble with Iowa State because Iowa State likes to run the football and that is OU's strength defensively, so that'll be interesting. West Virginia, I think, is OU's best chance to lose, another good defensive team. But I think what OU does defensively is going to make them the hardest to beat because I think it's going to be hard for teams to keep up with them, even if you're able to slow down that offense a little bit. So that's what the Big 12 is looking at. The next couple of weeks, OU and Oklahoma State trying to get that second spot in the Big 12 title game to play Iowa State. So that's what we're looking at in the Big 12. In the group of five, Coastal Carolina stays undefeated. They have a big matchup next week against Liberty. In the American, uh, Tulsa has a game postponed, and Cincinnati has the game canceled. So we're getting closer and closer to that Cincinnati-Tulsa matchup to see if Cincinnati can stay undefeated and possibly make their way into the college football playoff. And again, because of some stuff that's happened in the Big Ten and the Pac-12, Obviously, the SEC has a good chance to get multiple teams in. If Clemson and Notre Dame both run the table and Clemson beats Notre Dame in a close game in the ACC championship game, the ACC, I think, has a good chance to get multiple teams in. So that'll be interesting to watch. But one thing we got to talk about before we get to Garrett's gripes, we got to talk about Buffalo running back Jared Patterson. What a day he had against Kent State. 36 carries. 409 yards and eight touchdowns. Touchdowns of three yards, 31 yards, 42 yards, 49, one yard, seven, seven, 58, and that's it. They also punched in another one later from Kevin Marks Jr. So Buffalo routes Kent State 70 to 41 behind 409 yards and eight scores from Jarrett. Patterson, what a day, a huge week for him. Ties the major college record for touchdowns in a game. He was something like 19 yards behind the rushing record for a single game that Samaj P. Ryan of Oklahoma broke against Kansas a few years ago. He ran for something like 428 yards. So just an incredible day from Patterson and Buffalo. But coming up next, we're going to round out Sunday the way we do every week. Garrett's gripes, what am I talking about this week? You'll find out after the break. Back now, and it's time for America's favorite segment. It's mine, at least, Garrett's Gripes. And this week, I'm doing something that, you know, over the Thanksgiving weekend and the Thanksgiving festivities, I'm sure happens a lot in homes across the United States. And something that I've really got thinking about the past few weeks, how, why do people feel it's acceptable to do this? And I'm talking about, it's the commentary, the unneeded commentary on what someone is eating. 
as far as why they didn't get this or why they did get that. You know, I think we all people in our family who feel the need to comment on this constantly, and I think we need to remember that there's no there's no need for it. You know, they're not forcing you to eat the food. Just let them eat what they want to eat. You know, if they someone who doesn't like turkey, let them eat ham and stuffing and other things. Don't feel the need to comment on what they aren't eating. There's stuff that you know the commenter doesn't like to eat, but no one really says anything to them. So it, it's just let them let them be peaceful. You know, your unneeded commentary is just that it's unneeded. They are not forcing you to eat their. You're not saying, "Hey, I'm going to pick only the food you can eat." Just go about your business because it's it's really rude. And I've noticed that you know you. I think you see this happen at restaurants as well. You know, if someone goes to you know, say a steakhouse, but they, they may not be a huge fan of steak, but there's other things on the menu like ribs or like you know some type of roasted chicken or something or even fish. Let them order what they want to want. It's on the menu for the reason for a reason. So I think this. There's just compulsion in some people that they need to be right or they need to always make a comment on something. I just let people enjoy what they're going to enjoy and don't try to make them feel ashamed or feel bad or embarrassed because they don't want to order exactly what you're ordering or they don't want to eat exactly what you're eating. We're all different people. We like different foods. We prefer different foods. Some people have dietary restrictions they try to work around. So don't, I just don't get this need to, to comment on it constantly. So I, I definitely know some people, I'm sure you know some people as well, who just, no matter what it is, where you're at, they always have a comment for something. And I just think we need to be better as a people as far as just let people enjoy what they're going to, going to enjoy. As long as it's not, like, extremely unhealthy, you know, as long as someone at Thanksgiving isn't only eating pie or isn't only eating the desserts, that's, that's a whole other thing. But let someone else, let a parent, let a spouse say that to them. You don't need to be the one to come at them. And try to make them feel bad about it. Because that's also a bad approach to it. If someone's diet is extremely unhealthy, shaming them isn't going to make it any better. You know, a change like that is something they have to want to make anyway. So, and again, like most people, it's not even that type of scenario. Most people, it's just, they don't think, they're like, oh, you know, I can't believe they're doing that. Or, oh, that's not what I would do. Well, congratulations. There's a reason you are you when they are them. So just... Keep those opinions to yourself. Like, and I think I just think we have this culture in the United States, especially where we are trying to embarrass people. You know, some people I think that they're just out to embarrass people so they can be the center of attention, and you can't do that. And you know, they they make it a point to make comments. You know, at family get-togethers when they're out with friends and things like that. It's just it's something I've witnessed recently that's really got me thinking about it. And I had a conversation with a friend about it, and it's it's just extremely rude. So. You know, if you're a people, if you're someone like that, if you are someone out there who feels the need to make those comments, just keep them to yourself, because most people aren't going to think anything higher of you for it, and they may just not be saying it. So that's my rant this week. It's a little more dialed back. I'm not as fired up as I was about Nickelback. Uh, it's a long weekend, you know, family obligations, different things, but make sure I got this one vo done for you. Again, that's my gripe for this week. Just keep, you know, most time keep your opinions. To your, it's like Bambi used to say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's kind of where I'm at on that one. So thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to break down the second installment, the college football playoff rankings. We'll see how far some Pac-12 teams fall, where the Big Ten lands out, if some of OU and Iowa State can jump up into the top ten possibly. A lot to look forward to, and of course another slate of games next week. That's all I got for this week. As always, stay off the field and don't be a meme.